Hi, and welcome to episode 336 of No Crying in Baseball, the B's over A's episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey. So that's, that's a little confusing to me as a teacher. Yeah, well, you know, grades aren't everything. True. That is very true. And actually, that's something that I think we all need to remember. There's I, a lot more to y- life than grades. Yeah. And when we get to this, you'll understand the character counts mm-hmm. a lot. So think about that as well as, as your letter grades. Because right. it really does, in fact, make a difference. Hey, it's the first end of the first week of the new year. Are you doing okay? Oof. I know you had to go back to work and yeah, you know, I, like the, I did too. You know, I took a whole week off, and it's been a long time since I did. So I oh, kind of, wow. I think I had a similar experience right. as you. Finally, well, and also the kid, the kids leaving. Like it was a week with the kids, and then I yeah. mean, the kids are young adult children, but then they leave, and it's like, oh, it's. You know, that's back to reality in so many different ways. Yeah, I may mean, just say again, the cat did not close the deal. I, I still believe um, the cat's little mouse friend is is in the house. Oof. Yeah. Visiting, keeping you company. Uh, no, just just kind of hanging in the background, being weirdly, I don't know, looming, stalking, uh, looming, wondering where the cat is. Probably look, looking for its little friend. Yeah. <laughs> Either yeah. that, or just making sure that it's not there before it like shows its little fuzzy face, yeah. so that it's not, you know, knowing it's not at risk. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see if it, anything changes for next time. Yeah, right. uh, yeah, yeah. But you know, see, I would say I have an empty nest again, but I really don't because the, 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 the little, <laughs> the little, little rodent friend is you, still you have a mouse around. nesting. Yes, yes. But other than that, I'm, I'm very. Twenty twenty four is so far so good. If you take the pinched nerve out of it, oh yeah, definitely take a pinched nerve out of it. I am nervous as hell for twenty twenty four, but that's a whole nother thing. We'll see. Let's compartmentalize. One day at a day. <laughs> One day at a time. Let's. Baseball is such a good diversion from this. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, let's talk about some baseball. On today's show, our hot stove covers our retirement, a move, and a whole bunch of stuff about starting pitchers. What's up with them? It's like the year of the pitchers. Our boyfriends include Detroit and San Francisco. Our police blotter is a lot of wander, a little bit of B's over A's, and then we've got some winter ball. Cheers. Cheers. So I just videoed you and I it was trying to figure out how to where to put the microphone to not get in the way of it's a beautiful night for baseball because that's such a lovely theme that we have. And I didn't quite get it, but I think that people are smart enough to figure out what that what the words mean. So yes, yeah, so that's the, the t-shirt that I picked for today, which I think is ironic because much of the Northeast has gotten slammed with snow. So it's sort of a beautiful <laughs> night for baseball in our heads at all times. Yeah, some places it is. Some places it is. Sure, sure. Hey, so Michael Brantley is one of my favorites for a long time. Uh, He's 36. He just retired as a free agent. He spent 15 seasons playing Major League Baseball, five-time All-Star. That's a lot. He debuted for Cleveland in 2009 and played until 2018, at which point he became an Astro, which was good for me because we had to pick guys on the Astros. And that mm-hmm. was the, you know, post-scandal year. So it made it very easy for me to pick a guy that I knew for sure hadn't been part of that scandal. He didn't play an enormous amount for Houston because he's been hurt a lot. In fact, uh, mo- most recently, he was recovering from a shoulder injury oh, for wow. a long time. He only played 15 games last season. But his strength has always been the, being the veteran, being the sort of the, the clubhouse guy, the sort of the wise you know, calm everybody down, keep Aww. everybody focused, guy, and he could still do that even with the injury. In fact, the the Astros started calling him Uncle Mike immediately <laughs> upon his arrival. But even before that, when he played for Cleveland, back when Francisco Lindor was there, before he went to the Mets, he sort of credited um, Michael Brantley as the guy who taught him how to be a big leader, wow. a big leaguer. Okay. Big leaguer, probably also a yeah, leader, too. Um, Dusty Baker, who managed him with the Astros, insisted that his own son, Darren, learn hitting from Michael Brantley. Oh, How's cool. that for a compliment, right? Like many veterans, he is retiring to become a coach. In his case, he signed up to coach his kids' little league teams. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. So, I feel like we just had that. Didn't we just have Thanks that? for everything, Michael Brantley. Good oh. luck. I wish my memory were better because we were just talking about somebody coaching a little league team, like probably last week. All right, folks, remind me what we said. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, people moving around with a hot stove, and there's I'm always nervous that there's a lot more that's going to happen in between recording and uh, debut. So just bear with us. You know, we we have a little bit of a lag. And just a really small note: Luis Guillorme was my Mets baseball boyfriend last year. And he just got picked up by Atlanta for definitely sort of like an under-the-radar kind of thing. One year, $1.1 million. And, uh, you know, the guy that I picked this year, Jack, Zach, Zach, 
short is sort of filling in the the same sort of role hopefully hopefully if he gets picked for as Guarme did which was a little bit of utility a little bit of bench a little bit of backup and um you know I think that fits fine with Atlanta Atlanta is building and uh, and very focused on being better than LA which I think you know every team is at this point <laughs> doing their best that they can and so they had gotten we talked about last week that they had gotten Chris Sale on the trade with Von Grissom and they right away extended Chris Sale for two more years. And I was kind of surprised about that at first because Sale has been so shaky for the past few years for the Red Sox. And, you know, like he does not heal well, it seems like. So I don't know. The, the Atlanta is saying that this is his first normal offseason, you know, knock on everything that he doesn't fall off his bicycle that he's had in a long time. <laughs> And basically, they're not paying for next year anyway because Boston is. So Boston's mm. still paying, sending money with sale, $17 million. And his two-year extension deal is $38 million, but it's kind of – it's not split evenly. It was going to be 16 for the first year. So they kind of make money on that. So they're just buying him for one more year, and then they have an option for 26 if everything goes peachy keen and and I do wish the best for them I do feel a little bit relieved with Chris Sale not being on the Red Sox but I'm still at the edge of my seat because I am waiting for the splashy starters to splash down and this past week there was I I hate the rumors like it's just rising and I'm a sucker I still read them but I just feel like it's kind of pointless I could write anything too and somebody wrote that Blake Snell told a friend that he would really like to be on the Yankees and I feel like that's Blake Snell being Blake Snell, like being funny, because mm-hmm. I can't, I just I don't can't. Picture that. I don't picture it. And everybody's jumping all over it. And I think that he's making fun of everybody else because, well, I don't know, maybe if, if he's on the Yankees by the time this drops, then my credibility is lower than it already is. But I'm thinking he's just joking around and he's going to end up on the Red Sox. But, or Jordan Montgomery. I'd take Marcus Stroman. Or there's a lot of um, talk right now about another Japanese pitcher, too, Imanaga. And the Red Sox are theoretically in the finalists. But what the fuck does that mean? It's like these four teams are the finalists. And then, you know, there's sometimes at the last minute something else weird happens. So I don't give uh, much cred to any of that. There's like a... List of like six or seven teams that are in dire need of pumping up their starting pitching, including the Orioles, among others. And you mentioned the Red Sox. Yeah. There was a piece in the Washington Post recently about the change in the value of starting pitchers, you know, kicked off by the the two splashy right. Japanese pitcher signings recently. And, so, you know, the, the two-way guy, you may have heard of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think teams are learning – well, the – this piece in the in the post said the teams are learning from the Rangers last year. Remember the Rangers loaded like crazy with their pitching, right. which came in handy because they lost a couple of, of their big name pitchers <laughs> immediately due to, due to injury, and they won the World Series. It's crazy. So it seems like teams are learning that it makes a lot of sense to have backups right. for your starting pitchers. So it seems a couple of teams are really loading. And pitchers are going to be able to write a little bit of their own ticket more than they could before because all of a sudden people are saying, oh, yeah, this is why that is crucial if you are serious about making the postseason. Yeah. And for fans, though, it's it's agonizing because we're all in like you said, we're on that same boat just like waiting to know. So like the the Giants just picked up Robbie Ray, right? Uh He can't pitch until August, but he's in their back pocket now. He's he's signed. He is with them because they. You know, you're going to need them. You're going to need them later. If you don't need them now, you're going to need them later. So get them on board. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Hey, Harrison Bader was my guy for the Yankees last year. And I made a big deal of the fact that he's from the Bronx, grew up there. Mm-hmm. And so he really liked playing in New York. He had a lot of uh, charity work, community work that he still did in New York. And then halfway through cool. last season, he was released by the Yankees in August, actually. And then Cincinnati picked him up for the rest of the season. And then he's a free agent. The Mets just signed him. So he gets to go back to New York, which is pretty exciting. They signed him for a one-year deal. And the fun thing for him about that is he played with Pete Alonso at the University of Florida. So they're getting the band back together. So hopefully he will um, do well back in New York. Yeah, and I like to see him on the other side. Sure, we can (laughs) be super happy about that. Yeah, I can support him a little bit better over there. 
All right, we're going to talk about our baseball boyfriends. Uh, these are the guys that we pick in the offseason, one guy per team, because there's something special about them. And we've been calling them baseball boyfriends since we started because we got the name from a friend of ours and it kind of stuck. And we always feel like like we need to explain it a little bit, right? Like we always say it's not, we're not being creepy. We know that they these are not guys that we would date. And um, honestly, we're, we're not looking for that and we're not scoping them out. But that they're guys that we would hang out and have a beer with. So boyfriend, like a friend who's a guy, is kind of how we were looking at it. However, we've gotten a little bit of feedback that some people think maybe we should consider some other names. So I just want to announce right now that we are open to suggestions. We have a couple in our back pocket. And we're also open to people saying, you know, no, we like it. Keep it that way. So I think at some point we will do an online poll, but for the time being, we are sticking with our old ways with our little asterisk caveat that, yeah, these are guys we want to hang out with, get to know, have a beer. And in most cases, including the first one, and maybe even both, actually both that I'm going to talk about today, I want to hang out with their parents. Like I admire, <laughs> I admire, totally admire their parents. For, for the record, we have nominated um, partners girlfriends mm-hmm. and parents of these guys as baseball boyfriends. So right. it really is sort of a, a wide, wide term. Yes. It's not a very specific term. It's sort of a, an umbrella kind of term. If you are going to suggest anything, you get extra points for alliteration because Patty and the Potty Mouth are all about that. Yes. <laughs> hey, we just did that naturally. All right. We are on to Detroit this week uh, for the American League, and we are working with uh, the Tigers, clearly. And I'm picking Matt Vierling, who I thought we had picked before. But it, even though last year, I think just last year, well, he was up a little bit the year before, too. Anyway, there wasn't much time, but we haven't picked him yet. So I'm picking him now. He's listed under third base. But when I was looking into highlights of him, it was in the outfield last year, 27 years old. Turns out that, and I am, I'm really, really hoping that Yahoo gives him credit for this for our fantasy league that we do. He has played six positions at the major league level. So in 2022, he played first base, second base, third base, and all of the outfield. And in 23, he did all that again, except for not first base. In college, he played shortstop and pitched. So that means he has experience in everything besides catching. And I'm hoping that Yahoo recognizes that for the point of our fantasy league because I like to have a little flexibility because, you know, sometimes guys get hurt and you have to put in a sub. And if they can go anywhere, that's really helpful. And then my next sort of, you know, line of of checking him out uh, to make sure he was a good baseball boyfriend for me was to look through his Instagram a little bit. And I just kind of laughed because his first Instagram pic, the most recent one, was that foul pink stuff that we drank at, at your kid's um, uh, graduation. Oh, oh. <laughs> and there was one I did not friend. drink that. I saw it and said, I'm not drinking that. Yeah, it was entertaining. And there was one friend who particularly liked it. So I think I made a cocktail out of it. I, I think I, you I, did. I, I think you, I you bartended the heck out of that. Right. So that's, that's kind of fun. Um, also, his second picture, though, was even funner because it was in front of the Green Monster at Fenway Park. And there was not details, but it was a little group of them. And the kid was wearing a Red Sox jersey. So I don't know if it was like friends of his at Fenway when they were playing there that they got to hang out in another picture inside the monster. And then also our, you know, my B team, our lovely home team, the Nationals, he had two highlights of amazing plays that he made in Nats Park with the big W in the background. He's originally from St. Louis, so he grew up a Cards fan in a big sports family. And this is where it comes out. Like, I would love to hang out with his family. His grandfather played college basketball. His dad played college football. He played four sports in high school, which is also something that I admire because there's that whole tendency now to, like, start them young on this track. And it's just not good for kids' physical development. And also, you know, have fun. Have a little bit of fun. And he gave a little, you know, congratulations – or not congratulations, credit, credit. That's the word to his mom and dad for being his support system through that. So good for mom and dad. Big cards fan. He went to four or five card games a year with 10th row seats by a buddy of his. So, you know, you always want to have that friend. You have a friend like that. Yeah, I don't know if you get to four or five, but, you know, pretty good to have, a, to have somebody who has a key to good seats at the park. And then he was picked by the Cardinals out of high school in the 30th round. So that's a pretty big number. And he turned it down. Um, there's actually talk that it was such a high number because he had already committed to Notre Dame and the teams knew that he was going to go to Notre Dame. And this is another, you know, I've picked guys out of high school 
also, you know, everybody's got their own story and their own reason for why they're going to a team at the time. But I really like what he said about why he went to Notre Dame. He said, part of my decision was I know I need to mature and become a better baseball player. That's why you go to college. It's just the right decision for me. Notre Dame is always one of those schools where you go, wow, you'd like to go there. And I was striving for that. So that gave them the opportunity to do some college ball in the summer, which we love. And he was in Cape Cod. And he said he was in Howitch, and he put all the A's in Howitch, Har- Har- Harwich. Gosh, I you can't, can't even say it the way it, yeah, there, the way God intended. <laughs> I think God intended it was Howitch. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and then he was drafted by Philly in 2018. Debuted in 21 as a pinch hitter against the Giants, which is the other team that we're talking about today. So a little bit of kismet there. Singled and stole second on his uh, first appearance, pinch hitting, and ended up scoring. So 22 was his rookie year with Philly. A little bit struggles, you know, in the beginning. Sent down to AAA. And when he came back up, he pinch hit again and had the game-winning home run off of none other than Josh Hader. So we love to see that. His first (laughs) multi-home run game was against the Nationals, and plus he got to be in the World Series because he was with the Phillies at the right time. Um, Traded to the Tigers last offseason with my former baseball boyfriend from the Phillies, Nick Maton, and uh, catcher Donnie Sands, who I guess they, they let go right away for Gregory Soto and Cody Clemens son of none other than Roger Clemens. Um, He got that heart and hustle award. So these, you know, there are some overlaps that we really appreciate when guys are uh, nominated for the big awards, the the awards that have to do with character, right, with drive. And so the, the heart and hustle is having passion on the field and embodying the values and traditions of the game. And he said that that's just how he's always played. And he said that carries you through those tough times. You try to be the same guy throughout those tough times. And when things are going good, you try to say the same. Worked last year. He had the second most hits on the Tigers after your former baseball boyfriend, Spencer Torkelson. And he got his first career Grand Slam in September with a 448-foot bomb. So I like his attitude. He said, you're going to have good days and bad days, especially around this time. This is when he was struggling last year in August. But I'm trying to get into a groove and help the team on the field any way I can. And I can relate to that because I have been really trying hard to get into a groove with my drumming. There's this like there's this this um, beginner's groove that everybody knows and I'm I'm working on it. I'm getting there. So how yeah. you, how you feel did you did you get your groove back? I have not quite. My groove isn't solid. My groove comes and goes. That's the problem. I need right, a so solid It's a variable groove. groove. Right. 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 I need a consistent groove. One does. Yes. Wow. I think our guys are twins. Oh, cool. Twin sons of different mothers. Um, Zach McKinstry is 28, plays right field for the Tigers. He was born in Toledo, Ohio, grew up mainly in Fort Wayne, went to school, went to college in Central Michigan, late round draft. Now, this is this is the key thing here because Zach McKinstry, who, by the way, is our third Zach in two weeks, uh, wow, was picked That's in the Zach 33rd episode. round in 2016 by the Dodgers. This is exceedingly mm. important to know because since 2019, there have been only 20 rounds. So these guys would not have been yep. picked. They would have just gone by the wayside. They'd be playing indie ball or no ball, right? Uh, if it wasn't for somebody taking a chance on them. And when you get picked in the 33rd round, that means about a thousand players are picked before you. Wow. It's disheartening. Yeah. You got picked. Right. A lot of people don't get picked at all, but you didn't, you got picked after a thousand other players wow this kind of this stuck with zach he's not a large guy right this comes into um play a little bit later too his first home run was with the dodgers in may of 2021 versus colorado and it's really important because it was an inside the park homer for his very first home run he was pinch hitting again his pinch it was pinch hit home run when interviewed afterwards, he said, so is this how you drew up your first major league home run? He's like, well, I did picture it going farther, <laughs> which I was amused by. And then he also gave this little tidbit that his first home run that he hit as a high school player was also an inside the park. Oh, that's weird. Home run. So that's, that's a weird kind of consistency to have right there. He's got a consistent groove that's not one you'd expect, <laughs> right? Um, in July of tw- 22, the Dodgers tried to put him in as a position player to pitch. Right, they were losing to the Mets nine to four in the ninth inning, and they couldn't. The, the umpire said, "You can't." Remember, there's a rule that says you have to be at this late in the game. You have to be down by at least six runs. 
to, and he said, and they said, well, last summer that rule existed, and you let Justin Turner pitch, and we were only down by five. Oh. Then and the umpire said, yeah, we weren't enforcing it then. <laughs> what? What? Excellent. What? All right, so he was traded to Chicago, I guess, in July, because I guess he didn't get a chance to really, like, show his pitching prowess just briefly, right? So this was July 22, and then he was traded right back to, to traded to Detroit at the very beginning of this past season in March of 2023. So this is a guy who got picked super late mm-hmm. and then got batted around. From team to team, he didn't have like a regular time to play, a regular place to play. With the Dodgers, he got sent up and down a lot. He was with the Cubs for a hot minute. He was looking forward to that because he grew up in Fort Wayne, which is not that far from Chicago. He used that time that he went like went back and visited his elementary school and like did all kinds of cool things oh. that you can do when you're back by your hometown. But boom, he was gone again to Detroit, which not that far away, not that yeah. far away. But so there's an interview with his dad that said, "Hey, your kid looks better now. He looks." happier and his dad said it feels like the manager's done a really good job of saying hey you're our guy wow so he wasn't worried about getting like sent down if he made like one false move in the past like i think i'm doing okay and yet you're still sending me back down he had a real lack of confidence he was like the smallest kid on his travel team he was drafted so late because of his size. He he didn't go to a Big Ten school because, you know, just you look at him, you think, eh, yeah. it's not it's what we expect. And it, his dad gives a lot of credit to A.J. Hinch. And huh. this kind of is, again, where our guys are a little bit twinsies with the whole utility situation. So Hinch said, when asked, why is he your guy? Yeah. What's so good about it? I said, well, his overall vibe as a player said it's the consistency he brings every day, not quite knowing where he's going to play. Or not quite knowing how long he's going to play or what his role is on the team on any day. He's got a pretty quick wit. He's pretty even keeled. He's very selfless. So he just comes ready to play. You put me anywhere in the field. I gotcha. I will do my job wherever you put me. I've got this. At the same time, his dad says, you know what? He doesn't, he hasn't let go of this whole being passed over and being passed around thing. But that's, he keeps that in his head. He uses that to kind of fuel his practices and his workouts. It's like he's, he feels like internally like he's got to prove himself. But his behavior outward, outwardly mm-hmm. is different. It's like, yep, I got you. I got you covered because he's, again, he's now he's doing well. He's appreciated. He's being told, you're the one. We're keeping you. Wow. And all this is great. And so what happened from that is this past season, he led Detroit in doubles. He was second in walks. He was third in run scored and um, – and in um, on-base percentage and slugging and OPS, right? Ain't no who's behind. And, and most of those, he's behind Spencer Torkelson and, and, and your guy, Matt. Oh, wow. So all this is what this is the turnaround when yeah. someone is, says they're invested in you and they believe in you and you have that confidence that, yep, this is good. I'm, I can focus on my job and not worry about all that other stuff in my head. Mm-hmm. He was a gold glove finalist this year at the at Utility. Remember, that's a sort of a newish gold glove award position. Uh, he played 289 innings at third base, 272 at second base, 232 in right field, plus a little bit of dabbling at left field shortstop wow. and center field. So I'm feeling good that Yahoo's going to like give me this yeah. this time as my utility guy so I can plug him in a lot of places. I'm really excited about Zach McKinstry. That's so cool that we both have – well, it's cool for us to have the flexibility, and it's cool for the Tigers too. And it seemed like they're really not sure yet where everybody's going or who's going to be – going or hinge is really just okay to be quick on his feet yeah and say you know what today i think this is the best thing and yeah. tomorrow it might be different but but he's picking the guys that can do that right he's yeah. not moving guys around to places where they're uncomfortable or places that's going to be new for them because these are guys who already play all those positions that'd be fun to watch be fun to watch for sure all right you know we didn't talk about what we're drinking and mine's almost gone <laughs> so i think we are we got cocktails it's it's noon so we're having brunch and I'm having a Bloody Maryland, which I, when I first started, I was concerned that there wasn't alcohol in it because it just tasted like spicy tomato juice, which felt, you know, it's good for brunch. But now I think there is because now I'm nearing the bottom. You came around very quickly. <laughs> you were very disappointed. Like, it tastes like tomato juice. Mm-hmm. And like 
four minutes later, you're like, this is really good. Yeah, this is super good. <laughs> so I think it has snuck up on you. Um, for, this is also 10th Ward. These are canned cocktails from 10th Ward, which is, you know, our local um, woman-owned distillery. And I am drinking a whiskey mule, which apparently is this month's canned cocktail yeah. club. Take so I'm glad I got here on the day that you picked up your stuff because this is <laughs> right. beautiful. It's that- a lovely thing. And they're also nice brunchy fall colors, which is, you know, got a little gold, a little little orange. Feels like brunch. Sure. All, yeah. all we're missing is the melon. That one, that one's definitely not going to last that long. Yeah, no. Although we broke into last night, we got these little baby whiskey bottles from Ireland. Mr. Potty Mouse's partner is uh-huh. Irish and was there over the holidays and brought back these teeny, very good whiskey bottles. And we split one last See, night. See, you got good nips. I got novelty nips as a Christmas <laughs> gift, including that that nasty pink stuff. It's one of my nips. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. But if you had that, if you, you should give the... it to your kid's friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to travel out to California. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. With the Giants. Hey, Deborah. Uh, the Giants, I just talked about a couple weeks ago, so I figured I might as well just keep talking about this guy. Jung Hu Lee was a big uh, signing. Center fielder, 25 years old, out of the KBO. So there's a lot of what's going to happen, how's the transfer going to be. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I mentioned that he introduced himself, or he was introduced as press conference as grandson of the wind, because his dad, Zhang Byung Lee, was is a renowned, super, super famous KBO star who played in the KBO for 16 seasons, plus four in Japan. His overall career average was 294 with 194 home runs and 200 even stolen bases, so known for his speed. Season high, 1994, his average was 393. Credit to Jiho Yu, our friend who does a lot of KBO reporting. Um, and what what I liked about his statement, too, and I think this was in his introduction meeting, that he wants to thank his parents, which, you know, he, he looks up to his dad a lot. And I saw a cute, cute video on YouTube of him in elementary school with his dad coming to his elementary school team. So super close to his dad. But I love it when credit goes to the mom. He said, I really couldn't have done this without my mom's sacrifices. While my dad was still playing, my mom did so much for me. So that's like, you know, the kids of big players, somebody's got to be taking them around because the dad's playing, right? So mom pulls through. So um, Jung Ho was with the KBO from 2017 to 2023. His career average in the KBO is 340 with an 897 OPS. His worst year was last year because he lost most of it due to an ankle fracture in July. But he came back at the very end of the season and the Giants from that point were showing that they were the team that was interested because they sent over the GM to watch that one game of him at the end of the season. And also, I think to calm Giants fans a little bit with somebody coming with an injury because of the whole kerfuffle with Carlos Correa last year when he was going to be signing this gigantic um, contract with them and then it fell through at the last minute. So this contract did not fall through. Ankle's going to be okay. All is set for for Jung Ho Lee to make a splash in MLB next year. He, when he was with the KBO, he was the first KBO player to go straight from high school to the top level. So this would be like somebody being drafted out of high school and playing in MLB immediately. Wow. He was 18 years old, and he won Rookie of the Year. So that's pretty killer. He, I mentioned last week or whenever I talked about him last that he was MVP as well in 2022 when he led the league in hits, RBI average, on-base percentage, and slugging. He made an appearance in the World Baseball Classic, which we love. And it's a small, small uh, amount of games because uh, Korea didn't advance. I think they played. that means they played four games. But he batted 429 with a 1071 OPS and had five RBI under his belt. And the exposure, I think, is what was important, especially with him losing last season. By the way, your former Padres guy, Hassan Kim, his, I was just looking through the KB stats on the KBO stats on the WBC, all these alphabet soup, um, and his stats were wacky. And I had to like do a double take because I was like, oh, he got a low average, 188. Wait, his OPS was 102, 1.028. That's because he got three hits, but they were all home runs. <laughs> like, so out of like four games, numbers go wacky. 
All right, so Jungho is who has uh, signed for a six-year, $113 million deal with the Giants with an opt-out in 27, and his home team, the Kiwon Heroes, get about $19 million of posting fee. This is the biggest Giant signing since Barry Zito in 2006. And it is also the most money for an Asian-born hitter, so non-pitcher, coming to the U.S. According to Lee, though, the best part of his contract, and he said, and I quote, I am most pleased with my chance to make charity donations every year. I'm proud of having the opportunity to give back to the community. And part of baked into his contract is that every season he's giving between $60,000 and $110,000 to the Giants Community Fund, doing things in the San Francisco community. So, you know, the big question is, how is he going to adjust from the KBO? The KBO is more, you know, AAA is what what people think about. And the pitch velocity is about four miles an hour average higher in MLB than it is in KBO. So Hassan Kim is a great model for how this adjustment can happen. He had a little bit of a shaky first year, but then he's done outstanding for the past couple of years. And they were teammates for two years in 2019 and 2020 in the KBO. So I think he's got a friend that he can talk to on the Padres more than one. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, I loved his press conference because he came out and did his best English. And as an English teacher, I really appreciate that extra effort. That is hard under the lights. You know, I can't even say these guys' names well. Um, after after practicing and he's or, or after a cocktail yeah that that's <laughs> and uh and he's under the big lights with everybody looking at him and he the first thing he did was tuck his hair behind his ears and he put on the giant's hat and he said handsome which i super <laughs> appreciate um the only nice. thing that i was a little like well his his agent is scott boris and he thanked him very politely so you can't blame him you got to look at the selfie video that he posted on Twitter because it's adorable and in English and really trying to reach out to the fans. And he says, hi, fans. My name is Jung Lee. I love you. See you soon. Thank you. And then very enthusiastically he says, let's go, San Francisco. Let's go, Giants. And then as he's saying that, his camera or his, his camera phone takes a little bit of a dive. And so he goes, whoa. And you can see him kind of going out of the picture. But he didn't edit it. He left it in there. So that's, you know, humor that I, I um, appreciate. So as far as relationship with Hassan Kim, he said, I want to emulate him as a former teammate and a friend. But personally, I want to lead the league in batting average and make history. To have that come out of your mouth before you've started playing at all, it takes a lot of guts. You know, it's putting it, putting himself out there. But he wants to make, meet fans as soon as possible and make them proud. And he already went to a Warriors basketball game and was on the big screen. His sister is married to the closer that the Padres just attained, and this name I'm going to butcher because I meant to li- shit, listen to it before I tried this, Wusugo, I think. So now he's got two buddies on the Padres. So that California, I mean, between the three California teams having major um, Asian presence, I think is going to create a lot of interest, a lot of global interest. Like, I'd love to see the international viewing of these games. That's very cool. I just want to interrupt the proceedings to note that I, I use a Potty Mouth family laptop when we record. Oh, shit. What came up? Oh, no. And I've oh, noted no. before that the aforementioned drum lessons, uh, the Back in Black was coming up. And today I see that the sheet music to Highway to Hell is bookmarked, which means that that your friend Potty Mouth a new tune. Is, has a new tune and yeah. is working on the entire ACDC catalog. <laughs> yes. And I am very impressed with that. So You know, if you're going to start playing drums, I ACDC makes a lot of sense. I see like a Patreon extra coming up. <laughs> Potty Mouth oh, no. plays the ACDC catalog. I would subscribe for that. Well, we can we can put that out there as a challenge. Like, how many <laughs> Patreon members does it take until I post my ACDC oh. video? Oh, my Lord. Hey, so I got a Giants guy, and I was sure that we had used him before. I was, too. Well, you know what? You know who used him before? When our West Coast correspondent, Deborah Guest, hosted. Oh, 
she talked about late night Lamont. And That's so right. there was a little bit of background. So I'm not going to go um, too much into the older things because you've heard it before. You can go into um, a back episode to hear Deborah tell the story of late night Lamont. But I really want. Wow. Him. And I'm going to talk about him a little bit right now for some. There's a couple of things I really want to make sure I mention. He's 30. He's listed as first base. But as you have mentioned before, some of the highlights that you yeah. see are these guys playing different positions. In fact, he's got some like heroic catches in the outfield, but he's listed as a first baseman. One of the things I like most about him is he's a hometown guy. For us, he was born and grew up in Owings Mill, Maryland, which wow. is just outside of Baltimore. So he grew up as an O's fan. His first professional game that he ever went to was was in Camden Yards as a two-year-old. As a two-year-old, <laughs> and Adam Jones was his favorite player Aww. and so there's a lot to love right there yeah. he was drafted in the ninth round by um by minnesota in 2015 important to know is his second favorite sport is actually table tennis he grew up with two parents who both play in ping pong tournaments there was a table in their basement and he played against his brother who Side note was with the Mariners organization for a little while. So sporty okay. thing. So they played against each other. And he said, if my brother wasn't available, I just used the robot. They have a little they have a little wow robot that they call a ball shooting robot, which I thought you'd enjoy. <laughs> Because, you know, 12. But anyway, so he would, you know, if his brother was not available, he played against the ball shooting oh my. robot. His parents are so into table tennis, they actually missed some playoff games because they were playing in tournaments they couldn't go see his their son. And in, both of them. Yeah, you know, it's That's a thing. That's so it's cool. A thing. But he's you know, this, is, this is forever. He grew up doing this, right? Okay, a fun yeah. fact is he plays ping pong right-handed, but he hits left. <laughs> so I, I can't explain that, okay. but all along, his coaches have said, this is amazing for his hand-eye coordination. Mm -hmm. And more about that in just a second. But when he was with the Twins organization, when he was in the minors, and his manager said, you know, it gives him a good eye and because he's really good at the plate seeing the ball. And he talked about, his, his manager talked about strengthening or focusing on a player's vision huh. is something that should, there more attention should be paid to that. So really, that's what helps you with the plate, to be able to see where the ball's coming from, where it's going to end up, and to be able to react to it quickly. He said, it's kind of like weightlifting for your eyes and your brain wow that's yeah yeah and so at this time when he was with the twins in the minor leagues he was asked uh, lamont was asked you know does this make you you know the the best you can does this make you unbeatable it's like well i mean i don't win every single game or anything but i do impose my will a little bit <laughs> which i kind of liked um he he went to university of maryland he's a terp which makes me oh, very hey. happy and he has a kind of a long-standing relationship with the terps he's continued to work with his batting coach um matt swope who from the from the terps all along and this coach apparently has some real innovative um, batting training and methodology that he's been using actually a lot of teams use him now across the major leagues that has really helped guys as individuals like what's the best way you can be at the plate not here's what everyone should do the same way it's like how what about you what's the best thing that you can be doing at the plate and it's been working nice. for him a lot of credit to his parents they're both retired postal workers and you know between he and his brother ping pong postal workers sure say so again alliteration <laughs> is our friend uh, but again he and his brother both played youth ball they played ball going up they both you know were drafted for instance so his parents spent a lot of time thankfully it was like a, there were two of them and the two kids so they got to all they the practices play, uh, four on ping pong uh, they could play doubles that's true there wasn't any mention of that however but there's a lot of credit to the parents getting up yeah. early getting the guys to the practices they needed to do making sure they're at all the games they can go to all of this one of the games that his parents went to again you know they still live in Maryland, I believe, uh, they went to San Francisco to see Lamont play. And this was July of 2021. He said, my mom can't sit still at a game. So his parents get are seated like in the family section, right? There's a family mm -hmm. section. And his mom's like, I got to go. I got to go for a walk. I cannot sit. In one place. And apparently she goes for walks and just chats with people. And she makes <laughs> friends. So she's walking around the ballpark the, you know, in San Francisco. She's out in right field. And she's talking to this guy who's there with his two kids. And they're chatting. And they're Giants fans. And it's all great. She's in right field. Oh, hold on. I got to stop. My son's at bat. And then Lamont hits a home run right over her head. Wow. Right over her head. Landing in McCubbie. 
cove. Sweet. Right? At which point, maybe I should stay here. And the people she was chatting with said, we have this next seat next to us. Come on, sit down. They're Giants fans. Like, sure, come on, sit down. Right. It's It's all good. It's all good. And apparently, after he got back from running the bases, he looked up on the the video board and saw his mom looking up to watch. And he's like, "Yeah, of course she's oh, there." Oh, they found that. Yeah, That's of, so of cool. course she's there. His nickname, since he was traded from Minnesota to to the Giants, has been Late Night Lamont because in 2021 he hit 565 with 12 runs batted in in the ninth inning only. Holy shit. Right. So late night, Lamont, he's a clutch hitter, late innings. That didn't wow. stop there. That was not a flash in the pan because the update for, you know, 2023 is this past September, he had a walk-off single in the bottom of the 10th, I think it was versus Cleveland, which brought him to a 6'11 batting average in the ninth or later of a tie game. For the whole season? Ever. Holy ever shit. in the ninth or or later of a tie game, which is wow. the highest batting average in that category in 50 years in Major League Baseball. He is clutch at a very specific time. That's and thankfully, so cool. it's alliterative. So yeah. late night Lamont. He got to meet Willie Mays at Willie Mays' request uh, this past season. Uh, he was sort of summoned while he was at the ballpark. Like he's with the trainers. And, Willie wants to see you. So, of course, you go and you talk to Willie. Uh, he had explained platooning to Willie a little bit because one of the things that Willie Mays asked him was, are you playing every day? He's like, well, you know, we do this platoon thing. But he said it doesn't get much better than Willie Mays sitting right there. And Barry Bonds standing behind Holy him. It's shit. really cool when they tell you something to try and you go into the game and then you do it. Right. <laughs> In 2021, he was the, Millie, the, the Willie Mack winner. That's Mack for McCovey. So the Cove, right? Okay. Cove. And that is really cool. That's a team award for the most inspirational player. And it's voted on by players and coaches and other team staff. And so that was his 2021 award. In 2023, he got the Heart and Hustle Award, which Potty Mouth uh-huh. already mentioned, you know, it's passion, desire, work ethic on and off the field. The one thing I want to add to that, it's voted on by Former players. That's huge. Which is really big. Yeah, it's like, you know, that's it's, huge. It's, it's, you know, the guys who have been where you are and can look at you and say, yep, yep, you're that guy. So very cool. I'm looking forward to seeing more late night Lamonts. All right. I guess I will kick off the police blotter now that I'm out of alcohol. <laughs> and uh, Do you want the backup or are you uh, you're going you're gonna to hold? Well, you know, I wouldn't turn it down, but I don't know if you're you're ready. I don't. I wouldn't want the full backup beer. So that's understood. See, see how you pace yourself. All right. Um, so Wander Franco has gotten from bad to worse. I think a while ago I, I introduced this Puerto Rican phrase called "llueve sobre mojado," which means it rains when it's already wet. So last week we talked about where's Wander, and of course the fucking day. It's that in between day, the day in between when we record and the podcast drops. He was actually detained, I guess, arrested. So we talked about how on December 28th and 29th, he was supposed to show up for this meeting at the National uh, Agency for Children and Adolescents and Families. You know, the the big backup is that he is being accused of, and, you know, I want to say it more blatantly, of statutory rape. He had, you know, in all the press, it says inappropriate relationship with a minor. Well, that's statutory rape. I mean, that's just, that's the way it is. So he was told to show up for this meeting. He didn't show up. He changed lawyers. And I said last week that he was going to show up. His, his lawyers said that he would come after the New Year's festivities. Well, I guess he came while he was still hungover because on January 1st is when he and his lawyers showed up in Puerta Plata and he was detained. He was detained all week. He was conditionally released on Friday. The prosecutor asked for 5 million pesos, which is about $86,000, and house arrest. The judge decided on just 2 million pesos, or about $34 million, and he just needs to show up on the 30th of each month for a check-in. But the investigation is actually still ongoing, and the charges are not yet final. There are a couple that are floating around that I'll get to in a minute. So what the prosecution claimed at this meeting is that he kidnapped the victim. So there's been a lot of talk about him having this relationship with the victim, that he actually kidnapped her from her house. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. And held her for two days. So that... 
Yeah, right there. Um, and that, but then afterwards, that the relationship continued for four months. But this is a this is a child. This is a fourteen year old. This is not a relationship. It gets even worse because it's not only with the mother's permission, but there was blackmail involved. He was paying the mother eighty six hundred dollars to have a relationship. Well, to have a relationship and to, to not have her talk to anybody about it. The mother is also right now being uh, investigated, and she is yes, under please. house arrest, and she cannot leave the country. So she had done this before, and it's unclear as if it were baseball players or just other guys. But apparently, she had been collecting money from other men, quote, to cover the costs of her child's education. So this all came out, and I'm not quite sure about the confidentiality laws in the Dominican Republic, but apparently it came out with the interview that they did with the victim, that she said that this had been going on for a while. Um, apparently she was getting sick of it, and so on kind of a whim with a friend posted those pictures on social media, which is how the, the house of cards all fell down. However... Per Listin Diario, which is one of the Dominican newspapers, that the victim in the statement also said that her relationship with Franco was fairly public and that she went to social events with him around baseball, which seems really wacky to me. But that's what they published. The prosecutors, so they're not only, they're going after Franco, they're going after the victim's mother, they're going after Franco's mother as well, because apparently she made two payments to the victim's mother on behalf of Wanda Franco. The victim's father shows up at the end of the week on Friday and filed some sort of complaint. And this is where it's like super unclear because everything that shows stuff about her mother shows a single mother. I was trying to look into it and the only source I could find was a Dominican influencer who has a lot of followers, but it's still just an influencer. It's not a, a newspaper who said that the, the dad has always been out of the picture. Wait, wait. Can you clarify for me? I lost I lost the problem, yeah, but is it Wanda's dad or is it the, no, the, 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 victim's, the victim's dad? dad. Thank yeah. you. Okay. So that the victim's dad filed a complaint against Wander Thank you. on Friday. Okay. So, so it's sort of like, where's this father showing up from? Apparently, he hasn't been around her whole life. It's possible that the mother had her daughter when she was very young, perhaps at age 13, and that she went through the same thing that her kid's going through by her mother. So it's all very murky, and I want to find a little bit of a better source for that. I commented to try to get a little bit of um, a little bit of feedback and where that came from, but nothing as of yet. So what's going to happen to Wanter at this point? Uh, the penalty for sexual abuse is only five years, and they're not talking yet, at least, about sexual assault of a minor, which is also weirdly seven years. He could get, however between 20 and 30 years for commercial sexual exploitation, which is the same charge that's being held against the victim's mother. The 20 years is a minimum. So if he's convicted of that charge, things are going for a long time. Um, slightly disturbing or the pictures outside the courthouse of a bunch of young boys, teenage boys, holding signs that said, Todos somos Franco, like we're all wander, like supporting him. Oh, Lord. Yep. Oh, Lord. So I don't know what kind of news is getting out there. MLB investigation still ongoing. No formal suspension yet. And uh, noting, you know, and this is where it gets like, what happens to these kids who get too much money at too young of an age? He was 17 years old when he got a $3.8 million signing bonus. And then he's got this huge fucking contract now. So, I mean, he's losing a, a lot. He's losing, you know, his freedom. He's losing a shit ton of money. Hopefully, all of that will be... Well, he's not losing the money yet because he's still on administrative leave. Right. He's right. still getting paid. Yeah. Other reminder, he has a wife and two kids. Oh, God. Yeah. And and that didn't come out until last offseason. Like, he had sort of kept that undercover, but that's... Yeah, this child was the one going with right. him to, to events. baseball events. So creepy. So creepy. Yeah. So I don't know where we're going to go. It's sad. So also, like, full, um, full. Uh, I don't know, when you, when you cough up something, when you confess. <laughs> um, I had picked him as a baseball boyfriend way back. Disclosure. Clearly, You're going with disclosure. That's it. Full disclosure. Uh, and clearly, he is ex nowhere about him. Not going to happen. Not at all. So this is just super, super 
upsetting and I'm hoping that somehow the correct story gets across to these youth who look up to him you know like and what's his what are his his colleagues doing too and that and there was that video when he was first um accused he was denying it and Jose Sari was like hanging out in the background with him so like I don't know what his buddies are thinking but it looks ugly. Yeah, I mean, I could see no how yet. if you're sitting here in this country looking at social media, like, oh, this is somebody just trying to make a buck off of my, right. my friend, my teammate. Right. Until you get behind it and you learn what you don't know. Wow, this is just stunning and really gross. Yep. Yep. Sorry. So I'm hoping that you can give us a little bit of uh, hope after after this. Well, I'm just going to pick on the, a- the Oakland A's ownership, which right, is, you know, it's kind of like a hobby now, but sure. they keep earning opportunities to do that. You might remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the new independent team in Oakland called the Ballers or the Oakland Bees, because it's a team, a team that's going to stay in Oakland. As you know, the Oakland A's are scheduled to move to Vegas. So the Ballers are going to be the home team until there's an expansion or some other move or whatever because Mm -hmm. Oakland really wants to have baseball. The ballers are very, very well placed. The ballers said, hey, you know what? We're going to miss going to games at the Coliseum. So we're going to do this thing. We are going to, they picked a day in June where they were going to have a game against another independent team at the Oakland Coliseum. They called it, quote, a celebration of Oakland's baseball legacy and the Coliseum. They have been planning this since last July before they announced the team even, in December, they put a deposit down to use the Coliseum. Now, the deposit was put down with a company called ASM Global. There's a Coliseum Authority okay. is who manages the Coliseum. Uh, and their, their management company, they do like the, the day-to-day stuff is ASM Global. So ASM Global accepted this deposit. The Coliseum Authority is the body that leases the ballpark to the Oakland A's, and that lease is what goes through the end of 2024, which is why the whole moving to Vegas thing became kind of, you know, a timely. And who knows sure. where they're going to play after 2024, because they're not actually going to be in Vegas for a couple of years. <laughs> wow. But because of this lease, the A's have the exclusive right to play pro ball at the Coliseum, right? So even though... The Ballers, the independent team, has booked this. The A's basically had the legal right to say, no, thank you. We don't want any other professional teams to play ball in the Coliseum. Even so, if they're not using it at that time. Correct. Okay. They don't. It's, it's not like we're going to have the Ballers yeah. play instead of the A's that night. It's the, the Coliseum is available, and the Ballers are able to pay for it for that very singular one-night wow. Event now, just because you have the right to deny yeah. it, right, doesn't mean it's a good idea. It surprised no one because A's ownership is just horrible, and they don't care about the community of Oakland. And here's another way they're sticking it mm-hmm. to the people of Oakland who only want their team to stay. Right? They want their team to stay, and they're not going to stay. Give us this other team because we really love baseball here, right? The Bees, the Oakland Ballers, had already offered free tickets to the Oakland Girls Softball League. And they were in process of offering these to other youth baseball leagues around the Bay Area to get to to give these these kids a chance to come to the Coliseum and see baseball being played there while they still can. Right. While they still can. There's a lot of guesses which are probably spot on that the A's said no because of fear of embarrassment because you know that the ballers would have loaded that stadium. You know everybody would have yep. gone partially to support the ballers because they're bringing baseball back to Oakland when their own team has you know written them off and is moving to Vegas. Um, but also you know just, just you know just they wanted to stick it to the A's but also enjoy the baseball. Mm-hmm. And the A's saw that coming and said, "Oh no, we don't we don't want to be embarrassed by that. So you can't play at all." This is more embarrassing, I think. Absolutely. This looks so petty. Yeah. So petty, so ridiculous. The ballers went to social media and said, "Hey, if anyone has a 25,000 plus seat venue in Oakland they want to rent to us for June 29th, you know, reach out, let us know." Oh man. The Oakland vice mayor, I've never heard of vice mayor before but apparently it's a thing and oakland's got one pointed out the the potential job loss and revenue loss for not having this event because again the 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 coliseum authority is basically it's like it's i think it's between city and county run so Mm. money earned there can help 
pay for public services, right? It can help the coffers of the city and the county to spend on their residents. You don't have this event. You don't get that. Look at all the people it takes to put on a show right. at an arena. And all those people could have had another day's work or multiple days work and now aren't getting them. And just because of the, the A's are like, oh, neener, neener. We don't want, you know, other other teams to play in our ballpark. The, the, the A's resistance <laughs> is largely coalesced under a group called Last Dive Bar, which you, you may have heard talking about before. Right? So Brian Johansson is the guy who founded it. He said, if the A's want nothing to do with the people of Oakland, at least let us, at least let someone else do so. Yeah. Right? Which is true, but the A's aren't, aren't willing to let it go. And again, when we say the A's, we mean the ownership. We don't right. mean the players. The players don't have any say in this. It's absolutely the ownership. It's the front office. It's the people making those decisions. And they are not nice people. Yeah, and you get a feel for the players for putting up with this shit and wearing the uniform. And the is- last, dive, last Dive Bar has a plan for opening day where they're going to have a giant tailgate party in the parking lot but not go to the game. That's great. Right? Which sticks it to the owners. But again, God, can you I imagine am. playing for the A's? Right. And then, yeah. All right. Shit. All right. Hey, let's 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 go to winter ball. All right. So before we sign off, I want to remind you that there is lots of baseball happening in different parts of the world. And Lidom in the Dominican Republic is in their round robin uh part of the the playoffs right now. So catch it before it's done. Uh on New Year's Eve. There was a record broken, somewhat off the field. For the first time in Lidam history, two women were on the broadcast teams. There have been women on the team before. This is the first time that there was two on. Uh, broadcast teams in the DR, a little bit unique compared to here because there are three. There is the play-by-play, the color commentator, and the commercial voice. So that's the voice that says, ooh, fly out, oh, oh fly facile, como una un taza de café, de whatever, whatever company it is. It's that commercial thing that, like, and they do it at, like, each play is sponsored. Like, if you get a fly ball, that's one, you know, you get a cup of coffee uh, announcement. And if you get an easy out, you get another announcement. So wow. there was a woman doing that. It's usually like a very low man's voice. So I would love to hear a <laughs> recording of that. But, you know, hats off to Johanna Nunez and Siria Bello for setting records in the Dominican ball. Um, also hats off to the Caballero del Año, which translate kind of shitty. It's the Gentleman of the Year, which sounds a little weird. But it's a, an award in Lidam voted on by your peers. So players from all six teams basically vote on the guy of the year. And I was super excited to see that Christopher Morell, my former baseball boyfriend from the clubs, got it. And it's because of his attitude and his energy, which is what I loved about him, that he greets everybody as a positive attitude and he puts love and heart into the game. Last thing about Lidam is that the Gigantes de Cibao, who have been struggling a little bit in the playoffs, have an ace in their back pocket. I don't know if I have the right metaphor at all. Keto Marte, coming off of the D-backs stellar year, debuts today with the Gigantes de Cibao, joining Jose Siri and my guy Luis Garcia and Williams Astudio, who made it over from Venezuela somehow. So Gigantes de Cibao might be climbing up from their current, I think they're in last place. Uh, Miguel Andujar, your, your former boyfriend, is on Tigres de Licey. And Jorge Mateo, I am in super appreciation of because he is raking for my Leones del Escogido. Excellent. And that is the Dominican Rundown. Hey, quick little bit of cross-training. Our intern has informed us that the, um, the PWHL, the Women's Hockey League, games are available on YouTube. Yay. So if you want to see fantastic talented women playing ice hockey go to thepwhl.com there's a link for how to watch yeah and some local cable um, companies are actually showing it like Nesson is showing the women's in in Boston and and the Boston teams have been the the Bruins have been very welcoming and I think there's some good movement behind this so excellent yeah Yeah, so if you go to that link it shows you not only the um, the YouTube links but also all the all the cable networks everywhere you can watch the whole thing is all laid out there for every single game of the season yay yay so maybe i'll get to watch some hockey this week i like that you got anything going on this week 
no, we're hosting a friend and uh, or a friend's kid, and that'll be fun. She's going to be shadowing Mr. Pottymouth to learn how to be a lawyer. So, but not shadowing you to learn how to play the ACDC catalog on the drums. No, I guess she'll just be noticing that I have some really quirky hobbies that happen. Yeah, you all do. happen in this room right here. Yeah, so, you do. Yeah, because yeah, I'm going to have to edit this podcast while she's here and explain my way out of that one. Sure. So, there we go. Sure. Hey, so everybody, um, please be sure to practice your drums. Um, yes. let us know what the next song in the ACDC catalog that you would like <laughs> Potty Mouth to learn. You know how to find us for your corrections. Also, if you have another alliterative, alliterative name, if you um, would like a substitute for baseball boyfriends, let us know. Potty Mouth, where can people find us? You can find us on that X Twitter thing at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, our No Crying and B-Ball, and we would love it if you would join our Patreon community and I guess set up that challenge for my big drum video. I'm really afraid to say that out loud, but there it is. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash no crying and b-ball and, you know, a buck a month and you can hang out with us there. Most excellent. Hey, get your booster. Fight the man. It's the right thing to do. Still all those game balls. Why haven't you sent them to Meredith yet? And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. It's like Nick Castellanos' buttons. It suggests more. Mm-hmm.